As you, as you turn to Colossians 1, I'd like, you to, I'd like us all to just, just to keep thinking about what we were just singing. Um, what I want to do tonight is, uh, it really serves several different purposes. Um, this is not like one of the, it's not like the beginning of a series or anything like that. It's just kind of a, kind of a standalone type deal. Um, what I want to do is sort of bridge the gap between um, what our community groups talked about this past week and what you're going to talk about in a week coming up. And I know not everybody's in a community group, and that's okay, uh, because, um, I mean, we would like for you to be in one, but I understand everybody can't or whatever. Um, but um, I don't want you to feel like just because you're not in a community group, you're going to be lost. Um, it's not going to be one of those kind of nights. But I, I do feel like what we've talked about have what we have talked about in the last two weeks what we're going to talk about coming up and it really in the next several weeks is I think it's just really really crucial and, and I think that there are kind of two themes emerging as far as what what God is doing within our church right now um, for at least from from my perspective um, and it's maybe themes and right maybe it's like maybe it's good to t- talk about them being threads like threads that are like just weaving around each other. Um, kind of two things that he's doing. One is, uh, I think he's pushing us more and more into uh, just like the the real and true um, call on our lives to um, to minister to the people who are around us. To re- just recognizing that um, he has intentionally put us in people's lives. Sometimes we phrase it, you know, where, where we say. Um, you know, who has God put in your life that you're supposed to minister to? But it's probably more accurate to say, who has, uh, who has, whose life has God put you into? Like you're intentionally placed by Him, um, maybe more so than they're intentionally placed into your life. As far as you know, our coworkers and our neighbors and just the those kind of relationships that we have. Um, and so I, I think God is is pushing us to t- take that more seriously. And that's something we've talked about here at the Ring for a long time. But I just kind of sense that there's just a different sort of uh, leading that's going on. And as a part of that um, comes the other thread, which is kind of dealing with some of our baggage. Um, and recognizing the fact that uh, we're, like we all have issues that we you know, drag along through life. Um, and when you, when you look at our church... Um, not 100% across the board, but there's a pretty large percentage of people who come from some sort of church background, um, you know, whatever. Uh, and not everybody, and, you know, and that's, that's awesome. The more diverse, the better. But when you look at us right now, that's a lot of us would say we were church kids. And, um, or maybe not as kids, maybe as teenagers, or maybe as you know, college students and young adults and stuff. Um, and, and kind of what, what he's been doing with us is helping us kind of unpack that baggage, and recognizing that, you know, as you take things out of, out of our, like, emotional and spiritual, you know, upbringings, you take out some of these things, and you look at them, and you say, hey, that was, that's, that's pretty good, you know, 
And you take out some other things, you're like, whoa, where in the world did, where did that come from, you know? And um, so, so, like, if you back up a couple weeks, we did a series on, on evangelism, and that's kind of what he did for us, is not only like, do we look at, you know, biblically what it means and all that kind of stuff, in the process of that, we were, we were forced to, to take out whatever baggage we have that pertains to evangelism, that, that term or that idea, and be able to look at it and recognize, you know, these are, are healthy things that I've learned, either I was taught or just kind of um, inferred those things, or I don't know if that's the right word, but, you know, you kind of learned them through osmosis. That's even more wrong, but I'm going to use that too. Uh, and, and, and so, you know, some of you are like, wow, that was, that was, really, that was really messed up. And some things are like, hey, that was, that was pretty right on. And so you kind of unpack that, that idea, and God helps affirm some things and then correct some other things, and you put it back in, and now we have kind of a more healthy understanding of evangelism. That would be the goal, you know, um, ultimately. And so uh, he's kind of helped us do that. And when you take evangelism, I mean, some people, the word itself makes you just cringe. Like, I wish you would just use a different term, you know. Because there's just this, there, there are scars there, you know. There are, there's just... There's baggage, and, um, and so it was kind of good to be able to say, this is what it is according to the scriptures, and be like, okay, well, I'm so glad, because I've always kind of felt like this was not really right, or I've kind of felt like if this was all that it is, I don't want to be a part of it, but since it seems to be a little more broad, then that you know, sits well, you know, a little bit better with me and stuff, so we kind of put those things back together, and God now sends us out into the world with hopefully a more healthy understanding of what's going on. That's what I mean by he's helping us deal with our baggage. And so what's happened is, you know, we, we went from a couple weeks of talking about evangelism corporately to now in our community groups, we're starting to talk about how he has prepared us for ministry and how he has equipped us and given us everything that we need in order to fulfill that aspect of his will. Um, and so we're really just continuing the baggage unpacking in that sense. And it's tied to the first point. So the first point First thread is that he's pushing us into people's lives, but the other thread is that we're not going to go into people's lives if we have all this unhealthy baggage that we haven't dealt with. And so they just kind of continue to weave together, and I think it's pretty cool. And so um, let me, let's look at Colossians 1. Let's look at this. This is really, really important, and I want us to, um, to never lose sight of this. Um, I'm not saying that we have, but uh, we're just going to keep putting it out in front of us. Um, in Colossians 1, verse 19... Uh, it's talking about Jesus here. So all the hymns are talking about Jesus. Uh, verse 19 says, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Okay? So Jesus goes to the cross to accomplish several things, and one of those things is to reconcile to himself everything. And we talk, you know, a good bit, especially like in church culture, about being reconciled to God relationally through the forgiveness of our sins and all that kind of stuff. And that's of vital importance. Um, but when it says all things, um, it, it literally means what it says. And so when we talk about what has been reconciled, like what has been set right again, um, we, can, we can put everything underneath the umbrella of that concept. And so um, our emotions fall under this verse. Sometimes we like to say, well, my emotions got away from me. I, I can't control my emotions. I can't control my... No, no, no. That's bold because that has been reconciled to Christ. 
making peace by the blood of his cross. That's what, that's what it says. So because of the cross, our emotions can be kept in check. We like to have that excuse, but we don't have an excuse when we see it that way. Um, everything about us, our personalities have been reconciled to God. We like to chalk at things that, well, I'm, I mean, this is how I am. I'm just never going to change. Well, no. Um, I mean, not, that, not that being in Christ means that like, you have to all of a sudden like, start acting like a completely different person on the other side of the extreme. Um, God made you, and he loves you the way that he made you, but there are some things about your personality that were reconciled to him when he died on the cross. So some of those things have been made right. We're just kind of playing catch-up, basically. And the more, the more we're willing to play catch-up, and the more we're, we're willing to let our, our outside catch up with our inside, that's when we really start living abundant life. Now, when we start talking about some of the baggage that we've been through, that starts to get a little bit tricky because this verse says that all of our baggage, all of our history, all of our life has been reconciled to him. And there's been peace that's been made by the blood shed on the cross. But that is really uncomfortable for a lot of us because of what we've been through in different situations. So, we're going to unpack that. And that's what we started doing in groups really the week before last, but especially this past week. If you, if you aren't in, in group, uh, this was the, the question. We started off um, kind of the week before. We were saying, okay, what, do you, what about God's will freaks you out? What do you not understand? And that kind of discussion, I mean, our group, we kind of rolled like it was good. And we said, okay, let's, let's make two lists. One list is a list of things that, that we absolutely know this is God's will for me. And then another list that's like, I don't, these are things that he has to reveal to me. And the list on the things we have to reveal it usually involves decisions, you know. I lead the college group, so it's like, what am I going to major in? Am I supposed to date this person? Am I supposed to get married? Am I supposed to do this? Am I, you know, whatever. Where am I going to live? Where am I going to blah, whatever. I don't mean to blah whatever all y'all's list, I'm just saying. Uh, just mostly decisions. And so on this list over here, we're, we're waiting on him to reveal his will to us. But there's this whole other list of things that have already been revealed through the scriptures. And so when we're living in such a way that we're pursuing the things we know are revealed, it makes it so much easier to discern what's coming on this list. So if, when we know that his will is for us to abide in him, to remain in his truth, to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. I mean, all these, these things, we, we know we're supposed to be in this text. We know we're supposed to be praying and just like, making every request imaginable known to God. We, we know those things are supposed to be there. Then when you're like, what am I supposed to major in? It comes a lot easier. You're able to discern what this list is when this list is, is what you're sinking your life into. But we spend a lot of time worrying about this list and not enough time investing in this list. And so that's kind of what we're going for here is investing in this list. And one of the things we know absolutely is on this list is to invest in the lives of other people, to minister to people, to represent Christ to people. It's all throughout the New Testament. Um, and so we know that's on the list. So let's invest in, in, in the things on this list. And, and right now he has us really sinking into this one. And then these things are going to keep rolling But the beautiful part is this list is just not as intimidating when this one 
is where your heart is. So we've been looking at Hebrews 13, and you don't have to turn to it unless you just want to. We've been looking at this last passage. When our college ministry went to the Passion Conference, Beth Moore preached a sermon on this text. And what we've kind of really done for all the groups is we've taken that sermon and kind of like pulled out the points and just tried to write discussions expanding on her points in the sermon. It was really good, um, and that's where a lot of this stuff is coming from. But this is the text we're kind of looking at, verse 20 in Hebrews 13. It says, Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, there it is, equip you with everything good that you may do his will. Don't you like that? May the God of peace equip you with everything good to do his will. Everything good to do his will on this list, and everything good to do his will on this list. This one is revealed already. This one continues to be revealed on a need-to-know basis, and that is frustrating sometimes, but it doesn't frustrate him. Um, and so both of these lists, the prayer and the teaching here is about God equipping us with everything good. So that word equip, um, in, in Greek, um, I mean, our English is just such a, it's just a brutal language. Like, it's just very, like, whatever. Um, but in, in Greek, that word equip, it can mean, like, all these different things. And it actually means all these kind of things at once. Those are pretty cool. And so um, one of the things that equip means, it means to fill. And we talked about how he has, like, filled us with his presence. So both of these lists are completely possible because we've been literally filled with him. Um, so that's pretty awesome. And then last week, we, we looked at the, the way that word equip means, uh, another meaning is pr- to prepare. So, okay, he's been preparing me to do his will. The God of peace has been preparing me, equipping me to do his will. Both lists, we're looking at this list and the minister to others part. The God of peace has been equipping me and preparing me to minister to other people. To be a, literally a missionary that, that lives in Baton Rouge or lives wherever it is that you live or wherever it is that you're going to live. Like that's needs, that needs to be my mindset. And he's been equipping me and preparing me to do that. So this past week, we looked at this text that made some people pretty nervous. Look in 2 Timothy. I would like you to turn to this one if you don't mind. Um, if you're in Colossians, go right. If you're in Hebrews, go left. First chapter of Second Timothy. This is, uh, I know it took me a long time to get there, but I hope we're kind of on, on the same page. Um, the question that we asked uh, had to do with your, what it was like to grow up in your family. And we asked, uh, I don't know about your group, but I made all the guys in our group talk. Um, we asked everybody to tell us what it was like. Um, did people get along? What was discipline like? How was conflict handled? What was the financial picture? You know, was there a hierarchy in your family? I mean, tell us about your, just everything. What it was like. How do you get along with them now? It's everything you could possibly say about your family. Um, and that, for some people, some people have no problem doing that. And other people work really hard to keep you from knowing the truth about where they come from. And so, in a group environment like this, with no warning, uh, maybe you had warning, I don't know, our group didn't. Uh, it was like, oh, okay, we're going to do this. And so uh, we just started talking. And it, in our group, there was what, eight or nine of us. It took us an hour just to talk about that. And there's like more questions after that. Um, and, and it was just one of those times, 
And it was interesting in, in our group, I'm going to talk about our group a lot tonight, um, everybody really listened. We had this real bad habit, not I'm not talking about our group necessarily, but all our groups. Um, if you're in a group of people and like you're, everybody's like talking, 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 and you do this, and everybody gets like weird as soon as the Bible gets open. And so there's some questions that go out there, and sometimes when somebody's sharing, nobody in the room is looking at them. And that bothers me a lot, just, just between us girls. Um, that really, really bothers me when that happens. Um, however, in our group on that night, everybody looked at whoever was talking the whole time. That says something to me. There's something about each other's stories that's very compelling. Now, in, uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul's writing this letter to Timothy, and, uh, and I'd never really noticed, noticed this aspect of this text before until Beth Moore pointed it out, because she's awesome. Um, look at verse 3. It says, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you, you Timothy, okay, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day, as I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now, I'm sure, dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and self-control. Beautiful text. And we've talked about this in community group before, but we've never taken this angle on it that Beth took, uh, I call her Beth, um, she, uh, she pointed this out. She, she said there, there, are two, um, there are two relational lines that flow into Timothy's life. Verse 5 points out uh, the family line, the bloodline um, of his, his mother and his grandmother and just that uh, spiritual heritage that was passed down through, to him naturally uh, through those relationships. And then in verse 6, he talks about his own, him, him um, talking about basically his ordination of, of Paul laid his hands on Timothy and said, I see this in you. Um, I'm affirming the call of God on your life because I see it in you. And so, so you have this natural bloodline and you have this um, outside, you know, this other person, non-family, whatever, uh, blood, uh, not bloodline, relational line that comes in. And so both of these have shaped Timothy's life. And so our question was, tell us about your family. Um, tell us about the spiritual dynamics of your family, if there was any, you know. Are you a church kid or are you not a church kid? You know, if, if you are, what was that like? Uh, if you weren't, what was that like, <laughs> you know? Um, and then, I don't know if, any, if the group's got to even to the second part, which is supposed to be about the other kind of line. Like, who are the people who are not in your family who have been influential in your life and, and have shaped you? And... Um, And so here's, here's, here's where we need to bridge the gap between that discussion and this next discussion. Um, and maybe your groups got to this, and maybe you know, my group might be like, that's not at all what you said. Um, I, I don't really know. But I want to make sure, because I really sense that God's doing something um, significant among us. Um, when you look at your family history, Your family history has been reconciled to Jesus, making peace with God by bloodshed on the cross. Good or bad, 
that has been reconciled to him, that has been redeemed, that has been given purpose, and that purpose has to do with the list, and the, a part of the purpose on the list is how you invest in other people's lives. Here's, here's what I mean. Some people, as, as they were sharing in all of our groups, Basically, like, I had pretty much, like, I had the kind of upbringing that I want from my own kids. And that is, that, I mean, glory to God that there are homes like that. Um, especially in a culture where it doesn't really seem, it seems to be kind of rare. I mean, I think it is, I, we've got to thank God for the grace in our lives and the grace in our families. The people who have parents who prayed for them and loved them and taught them about Christ and discipled them. We, that is... I mean, what a gift. Um, and so, let's, let's just call those, like, let's say that's like good family history, okay? Um, and, and within the spiritual, I mean, underneath that, I mean, like, discipline was handled well, conflict was handled well, communication was good, uh, every, there was just this secure upbringing and whatever. So if that's good, and the other end of the extreme, let's just say it's just the opposite of that. We'll just leave it at that. Um, I think it's important that wherever you are on the spectrum, that we recognize that the family bloodline that flows into us was not for nothing. That it will not be wasted. If you grew up in a home that was on the good side of the spectrum, Maybe you wouldn't say you're like the extreme, but maybe you're like more on, on this end. Um, there's, a, there's a purpose in that for your life. See, people who live on this side of the, of the spectrum, they tend to think that they have nothing really to offer ministry-wise because they didn't grow up on that end of the spectrum. We even talked about that when we were going through the evangelism series, about how people over here who are like, I don't really know a time in my life where I didn't know Jesus. There's this weird like envy of people over here People on the other end of that salvation spectrum who are like, who have just like the most like amazing, like incredible story of what God has rescued them from. And, and for some reason, people over here on this end of the spectrum kind of like, well, my testimony is not that exciting. I wasn't in a gang, you know, never went to, you know, I did, whatever. But the truth is, there's not an unradical salvation on the whole spectrum. See, I'm, I live more on this end. I was a good kid, good home, good whatever. Um, and I know, I know how much I struggle with things now. And so I just, I'm, I've grown more and more grateful for a quote-unquote boring testimony. Because I have struggled with enough baggage over here, and I can't imagine there being more, you know? So it's weird. So people on this side look over there and they're like, oh, well, I, you know, whatever. And people over here um, have kind of a different mentality about the people over there. And the truth is, it's, it's all, it's one big, we're all one big family, you know. There is no spectrum, really. There seems to be one. And as soon as I start talking about extremes, you're like, oh, yeah, I know where I am on the stage. But the reality is, um, the reality is there, is, there, there isn't that. It doesn't exist. That the salvation made 
possible and made a reality on the cross is as radical for anybody in here as it was for anybody else in here. And it's the same way with our family upbringings. That if you're on the good, like, good family end or the bad family end, um, God has redeemed them all. And every one of those falls into that word equip in, in Hebrews 13. That every one of those have been used to shape you into who you are so that you can more effectively minister. And to be real honest, I think it's hard for people on either, either extreme of goodness and badness growing up to really buy that. I think maybe people in the middle, you know, are kind of like, okay, I can see that. People who had it really bad, I think they're like, there's no way, they, there's no way, no way that my family upbringing is going to make me effective in ministry. If anything, it's giving me so much baggage that there's no way I can really make a difference in other people's lives because I'm so screwed up. And people on this end are like, I've had it so good. I mean, what am I going to tell people? You know, like, I can't really relate to anything. I think what God wants us to do is, as we unpack this stuff is to unpack whatever your story is and whatever your family history is and look at it and, and look at it, you know? I mean, like, really say, this, this is what I've been through. Good stuff, bad stuff. This is, this is, this is my life. And you take your life, and you look at, in Hebrews 13, and you see the God of peace equipping us to do his will, to minister to other people. You look at Colossians 1, you see him reconciling all things to himself, making peace with God by the blood of the cross. Um, you look at those things, and you say, okay, um, God, what, what does this have to do with my life? What does this have to do with my life? How does my upbringing as a kid, as a teenager, as a young adult, whatever, how does all this stuff make me effective and equip me and prepare me to invest in other people's lives? Now, I'll give you an example from my own life. Um, if, if there were a spectrum, which is false, but let's say that there is one, okay, since I'm the one that set up the spectrum in the first place. Let's say there was a spectrum of radical testimonies, okay? Super radical, you know, saved from the worst things ever, and over here is the, like, not radical at all, okay? I'm, I'm definitely on this end of things. So for most of my life, when it comes, when you have that small group opportunity, and you're like, let's all share our testimonies, I'm like, whoa, no, 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 I grew up in church, parents were awesome, uh, now I'm a preacher, you know, that's my testimony. Um, for so long, I, it just didn't excite me very much. And so, so I look at that, so... And this has happened to me in the last couple of years. Uh, it just wasn't as organized a as it is now. Um, God has forced me to unpack my life and to look at it at different points. And so my family upbringing, my church background, um, when, I look, when I look at it through the, through the eyes of someone whose life is a story about myself, it looks very, very uninteresting. But as God has given me over the years glimpses of what someone with like that missionary mindset looks like, with someone who's, who's, whose life is a story not about me, a story that's about him, when things are about something bigger, um, where I have landed is I have the opportunity to 
connect with people who are like me. I told our group the other night, like, I really wish that I could, could come to the BCM and speak at TNT for, like, every Thursday. Because the BCM is full of people who were, were like me. Not everybody, I know that. But for the most part, they're like me. And so I can talk church kid lingo. I know the games. I know how to get around stuff. I know all about legalistic Baptist background. I've been in really small churches. I've been in really big churches. I've, I've, and I don't say that to be like, look at my resume. It's not impressive, believe me. I don't even have one, really. But, um, <laughs> but like, I don't say all that. I say when I look at, the, at these things, and especially when I look at, at my family, and, and you're talking to people, I grew up in a home where my, my parents are still together. Um, I'm the oldest child. Um, my brothers and I are identical and yet totally opposite all at the same time. Um, there are just all these things about my life that I find myself time and time and time again having conversations with people in a very, very similar place. And so I'm able to say, yeah, I know, I kind of know what that's like. Yeah, I, I kind of know that. Yeah, my dad, my dad was a principal, so he knew everything that we did all the time. Sometimes before we did. Uh, I understand that, you know. Yeah, I, I grew up, I grew up in, a, in a church. I know what a youth group is like. I know the baggage that can come. I know what it's like when your pastor's telling you one thing, but the people who work with the youth group are acting a completely different way, like the adults. I know how confusing that can be. I know what it's like to get to a point later in your life and you're like, this is what the gospel is? Why didn't I learn this when I was eight? I know what it's like to, to get mad at the church. I understand what it's like to, uh, to get to a point like, I, I, just, I hate the church. I hate it. And I understand what it's like when Jesus is like, don't talk about my bride. I understand that confusion. Okay, so all that stuff about me. Here, here's where, I, where I, I, I am. When I look at my family history and my upbringing and stuff, if I look at it and it's all about me, it seems really, really uninteresting. When I look at it and it's, it's about something bigger than me, it's about him, then I see opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to minister. Now, I've been a, I was a college minister before I was a pastor, so for years I've been having these conversations, and finally one day it just dawned on me, my entire upbringing was preparing me for, for this. It was preparing me to disciple and to teach and to pastor and all that. My parents were, were both musicians, so all of us just genetically were wired up like with musical ability or whatever at different points in different ways. And so, I mean, that upbringing, even genetically, I was prepared first church I ever worked in, well, I, would, I led music, like music with a choir and stand and sing the first, second, and last stanzas of Amazing Grace. I mean, it was, that's what I did. And then that led to a youth ministry thing, and then that led to a college ministry thing, and then that led to this church getting started, going all the way back to my DNA that my parents were musicians, every bit of it preparing me. It's not random. It's not wasted. Now, that's, that's my story. So when I take out my life and I look at it, and I unpack that baggage and I look at it, if I'm completely self-absorbed, it, it is what it is. That's who I am. It's just kind of whatever. 
If I look at it through his lens and through the eyes of his will, it is preparing me for very, very specific things that are part of his plan for my life to accomplish his will for all of humanity. And that's the case for every single one of us that, is, that, that are his. Every one of us that are his. Whatever your family baggage might be. You might sit around and you might think, my, my family upbringing was perfect. Okay, your family upbringing was perfect? Bull. I know, I know that's not true. It's funny, you talk with someone like, wow, my parents are just amazing. They're just like, they're so, they're just perfect and this and this and this. And, and your response is like, so I bet there's a lot of pressure being their kid, huh? And they're like, oh, yeah. I mean, it just happens. It absolutely happens. You'd just be so surprised. All of us, all of us have that baggage. If you find yourself on the other end, on the other extreme and you're, I mean, you don't even want people to know what you've been through. And you say, there's no way that what I went through, there's no way that the abuse in my background, the, the divorce of my parents, the, um, the rebellion of my siblings or of me and the pain I've caused my family or that they've caused or whatever, um, there's, if you think that that was all wasted, then I won't, you need to go memorize those verses in Colossians and claim them because that has all been reconciled. And, and what needs to happen, whatever your story is, good or, or bad, or, and let's just say that we all have our goods and our bads, um, every single bit of that has already been reconciled. What, what we need is for God to continue to, like, redeem it in the way that we look at it. And to sanctify that, to, to purify our, our family history. For him to say, yeah, you had it tough. Yeah, you had it pretty easy. Yeah, you, you had a mixture of both, whatever. For him to speak into that and say, I'm going to redeem the way you look at that. Because there's, there's, two, ways, there's two ways to see it, really. I mean, you can say, why did this happen to me as really kind of a victim, you know? I'm not pointing fingers. I'm saying, like, it's easy for whatever we've been through to say, why me? Why did this have to happen to me? Or you can say the same thing as missionary and think, okay, why did, why did this happen to me? Why, why were my parents this way? Why was it this way growing up in my house? Why did we go through this? What purpose is there in it for my future in ministry to other people? It's so easy to camp out over here and say, well, this was terrible and this was whatever. And we need, we need to, there are just times you need to be able to say, like, yeah, that was bad. Be able to say, the world is broken, and I can prove it by telling you my family history. But this is where, this is where God's bringing us. One of the most healthy things that, uh, about having a relationship with God is that we can say, okay, God, I know that I'm here, but I want to be there. I see 
my family history through the lens of a victim. I want to see it through the lens of a missionary. Um, I don't know how to get from here to there, but you do. That's a, I mean, can you believe that we get to have a conversation with the creator of the universe who holds everything together? We get to have that conversation with him? This is how, where I am. That's where I want to be. I don't know how to get there, but you do. Will you show me? Will you give me courage? And as I take the obedient steps of faith, because it's going to be in tandem, getting from point A to point B, as I take those steps, will you empower me and encourage me? And then like in verse 6, where Timothy had his, his mother and his grandmother, but then Paul comes in. See, that's the, that's the beauty of a life history, is that for people who had like really just non, non-Jesus upbringings, whether he was absent or just misrepresented or whatever, um, it's so cool to see God like send in the troops at some point. For people to come in and speak truth into your life and say, okay, this is Jesus, this is grace, this is love, this is acceptance, this is identity, this is forgiveness. And whether your bloodline and that, that other line, whether they're like the same in the, the line that's sent in, like in Timothy's life, I mean, here's Lois and here's Eunice and then here's Paul, he's just affirming them and it's awesome. Or maybe they come in and these, these, the truth starts coming in and just like completely just like T-bones the lies. And you're like, what's going on? I've been raised in this whole environment. I have all this baggage, all this baggage. And all of a sudden these people are telling me that I'm important that I'm valuable to God, that there's grace, that they love me, that they care. What the world's that all about? And God's like, yeah, I'm not going to let you walk in darkness. And even if your upbringing was painful and dark and, or up and down or whatever, it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm going to bring light. I'm going to bring salt. I'm going to bring my goodness into your life. Every bit of it preparing us to speak into people's lives. So the, to me, the real, the real issue is what, what's going to be the lens that we look at life through? Tonight we've talked about our family history. This coming week, we're just going to talk about just life in general, just, just things that we've been through. And really just our struggles with saying, okay, I understand that God loves me. I understand that he has a plan for me, all this kind of stuff. But I'm struggling to see this experience through, through this lens. I'm still struggling to see Growing up in my home, how God can use that in any way to speak in anybody's life about anything. I understand the struggle, and I'm definitely back and forth. But to me, it's just, to me it comes down to how, how am I going to choose to live, you know? I'm going to choose to live through the lens of a victim or through just self-centeredness or whatever. That's a tough place to be. And I know, I know it very well. But I know that I want to be on this side of, of things. Like I want to have that missional lens. Like I want to look at things. And I want life to be about more, more than me. Beth Moore made this statement in the sermon. She said, she said Christians suffer and have painful experiences, and, and they just go through stuff, just like people who aren't Christians. 
But the difference is, for Christians, our suffering is not in vain. And I remember when she said it, I was like, like chills, you know. And when I watched the video again, chills again. When I just said it, chills. It's not in vain. Nothing is wasted. And so we need to say, God, okay, I, I want you to show me the good. I want my lens to be that of a missionary. And he'll do it. It may not happen in an instant, you know. It may require sitting down and talking to some people about some stuff, just processing it. It may require counseling, you know. It may require some of those steps. It's okay. I know what that's like. I know when it's, it's, it's okay. Because the greater, the greater good, the bigger picture, redeeming the way we look at the things we've been through and letting us move from a victim lens to a missionary lens is going to make a difference in the glory of God in our city. And to me, that is completely worth it. So, that's, that's that. And seeing God as someone who's not going to just let us um, sit there and sulk and whatever is pretty amazing. But also, God who loves us so much that He's not going to let us just sit there with our bags packed. There's many times He says, "Okay, let's get let's get this uh, this relationship with your dad out. Let's get this let's get the divorce out. Let's let's, let's get the the favoritism uh, toward your sibling. Let's get that out." get the fact that you never had to do anything in your whole life. Your parents gave you everything. Let's get that out. Let's, let's get the abuse out. Etc. And he loves us enough to say, let's open the bag. Let's start taking some stuff out. Let's look at it. Let me tell you what the truth is about it. Let me redeem the way that you think about it and feel about it. Let's put it back in and let's send you into those people's lives so you can tear it up. It's beautiful. We live for something bigger than us. Our lives are not a story about us. If my life is really not my own, then these are going to be the continued changes that happen in my heart and in my mind. And I think it's a part of what he's doing in our church. Because if we can all like deal with our baggage and he starts bringing people in, with baggage, and we're like, hey, I can help you deal with your baggage because I've dealt with my baggage. Good stuff. So we're going to sing a little bit. These songs will pertain to what we've talked about, like they usually do. These need to be our prayers. They need to be our expressions of our, our hopes and our desires and our confidence in our God. So I'm going to pray for us. We're going to sing, and we're going to go. God, thank you so much. Father, just to, to think about the fact that um, that you love us enough to send your Son, first of all, and then that you have, have sent people into our lives to speak truth to us. For some, it was their parents and their family. For others, it was friends they met along the way or 
random relationships. God, but every one of those purposed. Every one of those is a part of the way that you care for your kids. And um, we thank you for whatever, whoever's voice it is, we thank you for speaking truth through the relationships uh, that you've given us. And God, I know this is kind of, a, kind of just a, a big subject to tackle. Just to redeem the way that we, we think and feel about the things that we've been through, especially when it comes to our families, because um, there's so much influence there. And so God, um, we need you to, uh, to either bring us to a point or to keep us at a point where we look at our life history through that lens, a lens that's not focused on ourselves and all that junk. The lens is focused on what is really important, and that is you, um, and that is your glory on the earth, that is the, the kingdom that you've called us to live in, to invite others into. loving people with true love. It's taking um, your gospel of grace and truth into a world that that needs to to hear it and needs to see it. Um, We thank you um, that you really do equip and prepare us to do your will. We know that a part of that is by... um, Showing us how you really, you really have reconciled the good and the bad parts of life. That all of that is brought under, under your submission. That you bring good and purpose out of everything. We thank you that our suffering is not in vain and that nothing is wasted. So God, as we, even just as we sing and respond... Um, But just just to connect with that truth about our lives not being our own. Just may your will be done in our hearts and in our minds. We love you, Father, and pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together.